Today's podcast is brought to you by PageantSwag.com. If you're looking for fun and great-fitting apparel specifically designed for the world of pageantry, this new online store is exactly that. Check it out today and use the promo code LIFEAFTERTHECROWN for 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's PageantSwag.com. Hey everyone, it's Miss North Carolina Teen USA 2012 Cat Per Year, and you're listening to The Life After the Crown with Tim Pialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss North Carolina's Outstanding Teen in 2009 and Miss North Carolina Teen USA in 2012. By the way, top 16 that year at Miss Teen USA. She is not one to shy away from big crowds. She was a member of the Charlotte Hornets Honeybee Dance Squad for four years, becoming captain her last year and represented the team at the NBA All-Star Game in 2017. Earlier this year, she became a rookie on the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, and made the cut on what is arguably the most recognizable cheerleading team in all of professional sports. The selection process was filmed for the popular reality TV show called Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders Making the Team, which airs Friday nights on CMT. She was a successful gymnast and dancer when she was younger, and those talents have obviously allowed her to be successful in all that she is doing today. And her motto is, you never know unless you ask or try, because you never know where it may lead you. Kat Perrier, I'm so excited to have you on because you uh, you do love the camera, you do love a crowd, and uh, here here's your I audience. Do. Go for it. I do. I love it. Hi, Tim. I'm smiling while you're you're reading my little intro. I'm I'm acting like I'm on stage right now, but I'm just sitting here in my living room. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, let's uh, let's just kind of get into the whole journey here because you have so many things that you have done that in the pageant world, I think a lot of the girls would love to do all of the things that I just yeah. mentioned from Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders to pageants to Charlotte Hornet Honeybees. Um, wh- mm-hmm. I guess where did it begin for you? So if 2009 was Outstanding Teen and that's kind of where your, mm-hmm. your pageant journey began as a title holder, what got you into pageants? Yeah, so my grandma got me into pageants actually. She that's actually where I got it from. She loves the camera. She loves the spotlight. And uh, she was approached by someone and she said, you know, why doesn't your daughter just enter a pageant? And of course my grandma, Oma, she was always into it. And I was just like, I mean, I guess I want a crown. So why not? (laughs) And (laughs) I know I was like, sure. And I entered my first pageant as Thomasville's outstanding team. I cried. I cried after the pageant because I was like, I'm not going to win. I did terrible. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And ironically, I won. <laughs> so, and then I went on to compete. I know, right? Oh, but I went on to compete for Miss North Carolina's Outstanding Teen. And they called me as the winner. And I was 15. I legit had no clue. I came up with the craziest answers. And people still come up to me with what I said on my interview questions. Like, oh, you're just so real. You're so authentic. And I'm like, I think that's just me. Like, I just blurred out these crazy things. And hopefully people 
like them in response. But yeah, I started my pageant journey on just a whim and just wanted a crown. But it got way more than that after I realized what pageants can do for you. So at what point did that happen? You know, where you were like, okay, I didn't realize what this is. Yeah. So the thing, the crazy thing is I didn't realize how big of an impact pageants had on me until I went to college because pageants paid for my school, all my school. Like I have no student loans whatsoever. And um, it wasn't until we had like a 10 year anniversary for Miss America's Outstanding Teen. And they were just so, we, we, like, the fact that we still have the connection, like I went to a girl's wedding who lives in Texas now, but we went to each other's wedding because we still have a connection with each other. Like pageants have connected me with these people who have shown me who to grow into and show me how to be a boss and just be my own self and have my own personality. And yeah, I just... I never knew pageants had such a big impact on me until I got older. I feel like that's how life is. Well, so you compete in Outstanding Teen in 09, and then in 12, you yeah. decide to compete. Um, you cross over into the USA system. Um, why not go compete yes. in Miss America if you were an Outstanding Teen? Yeah, so I didn't – I well, first of all, I didn't think I was mature enough <laughs> to compete in the America <laughs> system again. I was like, I'm not – what Miss America is looking for? Yeah, no, I'm more USA. And I felt like with Miss USA, I could have way more fun. And I got to know so many people like you, Sam, is not so good to say. I got to know you. And, um, and like Shannon and Marley and um, Peyton were all my sister queens. And seeing them grow up and seeing how they develop today, like those are some of my best friends. And because they are so real and they're, they're so authentic and it's just something that I emulate and something I want to to grow to be more of is just be more of myself, just unapologetically myself. And that's well, exactly who they are. Yeah, you know that. Look, if anybody that knows Cat Perrier, sassy is, <laughs> is easily the most definable sassy. term I can come up with. I mean, she is, oh. you know. When when I go to a pageant, I'm always very cordial and respectful, but sometimes I will have that sassy girl come up to me, and Cat came up to me, and I'm like, okay, this girl's serious. Like, she is just on to. fire. And I was like, I love her. I love her. Thanks, Tim. I feel like there's ha- there has to be something that defines yourself. I feel like people say that there's always that it factor that someone has in order to win the crown, right? Or to, to be chosen or be selected. Like, someone has to have that it factor. And for me, it is. It honestly is. I do have a sassy personality, but I love to be, I'm so outgoing and very vibrant. And I use my hands like I'm talking right now and I'm looking at myself in the mirror with my hands. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, there's just something that quirk, whatever that quirk is about you, embrace it. Like, yes, you're not going to please all people. And I learned that very quickly after being a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I learned that you're not going to please everybody. But you just got to, it's okay. Like, it's honestly okay. And as long as you've embraced yourself and you're okay with who you are and, you know, God has said, yes, this is my child. This is who she is. And you're okay with just hearing that testimony of yourself, then ain't no saying, honey. It ain't no saying. You just keep going. Look, you like many in the pageant world. Look, you love the camera. You love an audience. Uh, yeah. You love the feeling I of do. that attention. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, yeah. You know, look, for anybody that goes to Kat's Instagram profile, Go scroll down and find the, find the shot of her sitting on the sideline at a basketball game. It's a slow motion video. And when Kat looks across the court and realizes that she's on camera, that is the definable moment of who she It's yes. hilarious because it's like she realizes that's it me. and she just turns it on like, boom. It's like, bam, I'm on. on. Watch this. And that's that's you. That's you're you're a performer. And that's, I'm a performer. And we actually took a, an evaluation test when I became a DCC to kind of figure out where we are in our groups. And I, <laughs> I looked at my girlfriend and I said, 
I don't think I need a test to know that I'm a performer. Like that's just, it's just in my blood. I was born with it. Like I love to entertain. I love to be a part of a crowd in front of a crowd. And it doesn't make me nervous. I feel like I feed off that energy of other people. And you think that comes from your grandmother? I don't know. Have you just met Oma? She is such a diva. I don't think I have. She, oh, Tim, I'm telling you what, this woman is a diva to the extreme. She was the one who, she would change her hair color. She would own businesses and she would do things. She was a part of the council, like anything that she could get her name out there more and more people would know and know about her is what she strived to do. And it was all in good. It was all in love. It was never like just a pompous, like, Oh, this is me. Like, look at me. It was all to better, uh, better other people and inform people of what she was passionate about. But she was always the center of attention. And I grew up with my grandma. So she, yeah, that's just exactly where it comes from. Well, getting back to your pageant journey, you compete Miss North mm-hmm. Carolina Teen USA 2012. You win. Yes. Um, you go to Teen USA. Yeah. You finish top 16. Where is it yes. do you feel like you excelled in the USA system? Um, and, and I guess why did you feel like that was the spot for you and, and the reason that you did well? Well, coming in, I do remember coming in to USA. It was very intimidating because obviously all the girls are beautiful and they're a little bit older than you. And they, they're a little bit more mature in the pageant world. And coming in a newbie, like I did America, I did those three pageants in America. And then I came in and just did USA. And that was my fourth pageant. And it's, it's intimidating. You have girls that, that look at you and they're just going to, you know, not say the nicest things. Like I know I had one girl before I went on for top five, but she looked at me and she was like, someone like you is never going to win. And it's just, you have people, you have those people in your life that are going to affect you in your life that are just negative because whatever, they're not happy with themselves. So they want to push it on you, whatever. And I could have left that affected me before I went out for my answer, but I didn't because it's like, who, who are you to say that I can't be great? Like you, you did not tell me that I'm qualified. God tells me I'm qualified. So the fact that that moment right there was like, whoa, I am actually qualified to do this. Like who, who, who are you saying to me that I can't be great and I can't succeed and I can't win. So I think from there, that was like my moment of Miss USA. Like I am qualified to do this. I can, even though I'm already on stage, I've already made it this far. Like I am qualified to win. And be and be around these people and and do well and to to do well at Miss USA. So you get top sixteen at Miss Teen USA. Mm-hmm. And that's back in twenty twelve. Um, I think you and I yes. met. Uh, I think that first year I hosted North Carolina, which was uh, the yes. l- late twenty fifteen. There, yeah, yeah. So for those of you listening at the end, I think like and they do in most states. You know, you bring out the formers to help give away awards. Mm-hmm. And I I hadn't met Kat yet, and so. She hands me the card. I announce her name. She comes out there and I'm like, who is this and why isn't she competing? I know. <laughs> if you if you did so well in 2012, it's now 2020. Are, are you coming back? Is there any chance? I am 25 years old. And what is the cutoff age? 28, 28 now in the USA? Yeah. And I feel like I still have time. Like now I'm in Texas and I'm like, oh gosh, do I compete in the Texas system? Do I still compete in North Carolina? It's it's a, a lot to take in. It's a lot to think about. But Chesley's paved such a way where I'm like, oh, man, going after Chesley, <laughs> geez Louise, like, oh, my goodness. But I feel like I love pageants. It's always been in my blood. And for the longest time, I wanted to start a pageant um, coaching business. And if you if you stalk well enough, I have a page somewhere on Instagram. I don't know where it is, but <laughs> it's somewhere out there. It's floating clearly organized. Right. Yeah, clearly. But I wanted to start it so bad, but I think I'm always going to be involved in the pageant world somehow. Maybe that's me competing. Maybe that's just me coaching. But 
either way for me to coach, I have to compete one more time. So we'll see. All right. We'll be looking out for you. I know. <laughs> All right. So pageants, uh, you know, are, at least are done for the, that period of time. Uh, you decide to get mm-hmm. into uh, a professional dancing as a, uh, a dance member of the Charlotte Hornet Honeybees. Now, I think what's really interesting yes. that people should know is uh, a cat doesn't have any dance background. So for you to make a professional yeah. dance squad for an NBA team, um, I, I mm-hmm. t- walk me through the process here. Yes. Okay. So don't think like, oh gosh, she has no rhythm. She doesn't know what she's doing. I can cut her up, but I have a gymnastics background. So my favorite event was, um, floor when I was doing gymnastics and I went all the way up to level nine. And, um, so I was good. I'm not going to lie. I was good, but it got to a point where I was, I was tired. I said, you know, I don't think this is what I want to do anymore. I feel like my body's just tired. I don't want to be homeschooled. So I went on to actually do a dance class when I was a sophomore in high school. And that's when I started taking like just a few classes, but I actually started dancing when I was in college. So I danced for two years at my college dance team. And that's when I learned all my techniques. So I learned everything that girls learned from the age of three to like 18. I learned that in a two year time span. And I learned my turns, techniques pointing my toes, ballet, everything that you need to do in order to be like a a polished dancer um, within those two years. So after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to try out for the honeybees. Like, why not? You know, why not? You never know unless you try. So I tried out and by golly, I made my costume myself from Michael's. I cut up a t-shirt. I put some stickers on there and I made it. (laughs) (laughs) And here you are. And here I am. I made it my first year. I'm in, it's a, I feel like I'm on a roll and it's a blessing and I'm very scared because I feel like that's also a curse and a blessing to make things your first time because you start, you can get a big head about it. And I don't want to think like, Oh, if I don't make it my first time that I can't do it again. And I feel like that's so important because a lot of people, that happens to a lot of people. Like you don't, you don't make it your first time and people just get discouraged and don't try out again. But that's the one thing you need to do to know if you love something or not, if you're determined not to do it again, like you have to go out for it again. So when you did that, you were with the team for four years. Uh, You became captain last year. Yeah, I did it four years and I was determined. Oh, I was so determined. My third year going into it, I said, if I, I have to make captain, like I have to improve every year because what's the point of being on a team? If you don't improve, you're just on there. So I said, I, I've got to make captain. There's something I got to do because I used to get in trouble so much <laughs> my rookie year. Oh, no, not, not you. No oh, way. Not me. I used to get in trouble for looking at the camera and like making crazy faces and just little things that you learn like in the NBA, like you just don't do. Like when you see your face on the Jumbotron, when you're a fan, you're like, oh my God. And you react crazy, right? When you're a dancer, you cannot react. And that was one thing I, was, I just never <laughs> I got. I can't imagine you not like, reacting. I, I can't did. imagine it. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, uh. So you, you <laughs> learn little things, but little tricks. And like speaking to execs and speaking to staff and just learning who people are around you is something that I learned a lot my rookie year. And then going in my fourth year and being a captain and, and achieving that goal, I was just so proud of myself. And just, it was so weird looking at it full circle because I came in a 19-year-old, a tw- 19, 20-year-old, and just so naive and just like, oh, the world is my oyster and everyone loves me. And then going to, I think I was like 23, 20, yeah, 23, 24, and going into that and seeing like how much I've grown and that people are looking up to me now. And just being 23 and being a captain, that was a huge achievement for me. So I guess in four years, 
You know, I, I actually just mm-hmm. had uh, your, your your honeybee sisters, Laura and Courtney Little, on uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and then when you we were talking engaged. about, I know, I know, I'm actually officiating her wedding. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> she asked me to, so I got oh ordained in North my Carolina. God. Yeah. Well, I was talking to them about what they learned, and they were just kind of telling me some of the uh-huh. things that they felt like they got out of their years with the honeybees. I'd love to know what you know you felt like that being on a dance squad in the NBA did for you. I learned a lot. The thing was, I'm an only child. I don't know if you can tell or not, but not at all. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to share, and it's hard for me to to let <laughs> to let that go, to let that spotlight go, because that is my like my vice and my virtue is I love the spotlight, but Kat, not everything is about you, baby. Like, let it go. And learning yeah, learning that being on a team means not just me, it's everyone. Like, you affect everyone with your attitude, the way you walk in, the way you present yourself, the way that you're, you know, walking around the stadium and saying hi to execs, but not saying hi to staff. Like, you are a representation of the whole team. So I think the biggest thing for me is that I've learned is, is to humble myself. And I think that's a hard thing to do. And I'm still doing it every day, but to humble myself and say, Kat, you are representing a brand. You're representing an organization. And if you, you just speak to staff the way you speak to execs, you need to walk in presentable and you just can't walk in with sweatpants and, and no makeup done. You need, you need to walk in and look presentable no matter where you go. And, that is the biggest thing I've learned from being on the honeybees because it prepared me to be here. And, and now being a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, I feel like it's a little bit more of a caliber. Like they look at you a little bit more than they did on the honeybees. But it's learning that has been my saving grace here. Well, speaking of here, you know, you're, you're in Dallas mm-hmm. now. You are part of the, you know, the world's most well-known cheerleading team. What prompted you? living in Charlotte to say, you know what, I'm mm-hmm. going to go try out for the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Yeah. Okay. So my, I feel like my story here um, being in Dallas now is generational curses. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that term and people look at me crazy every time I say it, but I am such a big believer in generational curses and I want to break that for my family. So long story short, my family has lived in the same exact town, the same exact place, five miles from each other. Like no one's ever moved anywhere. They've done the same thing over and over and they're content, which is fine. That's them. That's awesome. But I feel like for my family and my children and their children, I want them to explore and to be greater because my grandparents were like that. They were explorers and they traveled the world, but it kind of stopped after that. And I want to continue that on. So I want my cousins to see that, wow, she's going out and she's trying something. Yes, she may have failed a couple of times, but She's starting to pick back up. Like, yes, I was homeless for two months. It's fine. I cried a lot, but we keep moving. You know, you just have to, I feel like you have to go through these struggles and and figure out whose you are so you can go and tell people who you are. And yeah, I just feel like that, that has been my journey here and just finding my purpose and finding my plan of what it is I'm supposed to do here. So you were homeless two months before you tried out for the the Cowboys? I was homeless while trying out for the team. No way. <laughs> I was homeless. Okay, so long were story short. You were just coming in off the street to, to the, to the audition? I, I flew in a one-way, and I had my car shipped down because that's bougie me, right? That's, <laughs> we got to work on spending. But I had my car shipped down, and, um, <laughs> and I had a, a place to stay. But... I had three places to stay, but ironically, they all fell through. 
And I said, oh, God, you know, Lord, don't do this to me. Like, I know good and well that you wanted me to be here. Like, I know you wanted me to try out for this team. You want me to do this. And um, so, yeah, I got kicked out of my last host family's house. <laughs> and it wasn't because I was being a heckler. I wasn't. I, I had a cat, and he said he was allergic. And I said, I told you I was bringing my cat, whatever. So I said, I would rather be homeless than to lose my cat. And that's exactly what I did. Oh, my I, Lord. While being, while being here and, um, and trying out for the team and being in training camp, I slept around in my car for a few days, but mainly I slept in hotels. And my debt is, whew, you don't want to see it. But luckily enough, I, <laughs> after making the team, someone had an apartment that I could stay in with a roommate. And so we stayed in this apartment for a few weeks until we started getting paychecks from our, from our team. And it was such a blessing. But those two months where I was just in a hotel hiding my cat, it was, oh, <laughs> it was awful. So it was you, awful. Liter- you literally put it all on the line to go audition for the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. And my mom didn't know. Like, I told no one. I told everyone I was fine. I was still with my host family. Like, no one had a clue because I, I knew if they knew, they would be like, come home come home. You got to come home right now. And I'm like, I am not good Lord. I am not coming home. You cannot make me. So I kept it under wraps. And I feel like my, that's when my relationship with God got closer than ever, because who else <laughs> could think? I lean on? I had, <laughs> I literally had no one. I said, Oh my gosh. Like, is this it? Is this where I die? Because you know, I'm so dramatic, but I was like, is this where I go now? Lord, like you're going to leave me here. But luckily enough, like humbly staying in my car for literally I stayed in my car for, I think four days until I could figure out what I needed to do. And it's just been, it's just been, a, it's been the craziest journey. It's been the craziest journey. And, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I feel like you have to go through these things. And some girls have like the easiest journey and some girls have to try out five times until they make the team. Luckily I tried out one time, but was homeless the whole time. <laughs> and had the craziest experiences, but it, it's all what you make it. And I feel like that has helped shape my attitude so much. To be humble because you got to be careful what you pray for. And you're like, oh, God, make me humble. Oh, mm, that's what he did. And yeah, it's it's such a, it's a crazy experience. And talking about it now, it's like, all I want to do is just give glory and just say thank you because I'm here. Like, I'm here. I made it through. I'm happier than ever. It's like, and I have a great group of 36 other girlfriends that I really do care about and cherish. Well, I'm as stunned as anybody listening, by the way. I didn't know this. Kat and I are friends, and she didn't tell me this. So I, I really i am genuinely shocked here. But here's what I got to know is you're shooting a reality show when you're trying out through that oh, yeah. selection process. I know yeah. reality show producers. They're looking yeah. for drama. How did you hide the fact they that you were homeless? I Okay, so it's the worst thing. I got kicked out of my house on the show. Like they, He called me. And I was getting my nails done. And they're like, oh, let's just film you getting your nails. And I'm like, okay, cool. And this is my first week. It's my first week into training camp. So, like, we just got here. I looked at her, and I said, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know where to go. And she was like, yeah, keep going with this. I'm like, this is not fake. Like, this is legit not fake. But it, it's hard. It is hard filling a reality TV show. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'm going to go on The Bachelor. Oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Like, because they make it look so easy. And then you're on the show. You're like, oh, my gosh. This is the <laughs> They say they say things to make you to think to make you think differently. So like I oh, got called into time. the office more yeah, big time. So I got called into the office more than anyone on the show, ironically, right? And um <laughs> No, they were like, No, cat's like, great drama, let's put her in there. Yeah. 
I was like, darn it for being good TV sometimes because honestly and truly, but they called me into the office and it was sometimes it was for nothing. It was just like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm okay. Like, thank you for asking. But it was to seem like it was way bigger. So then I would do an OTF like on the fly and they would say, so you're getting called into the office. Like, what are your thoughts? Do you think you're going to get cut today? You think tonight's going to be a cut night? What would this mean? And meanwhile, I'm homeless, okay? And they're like, what would this mean if you got cut tonight? Would everything be lost for you? And I'm over here trying not to cry. Like, I do not like you guys right now. Like, I am just trying to survive and make this team. But I kept telling Kelly and Judy while I was in the office, I said, you know, I said, I'm going to make this team. Like, I'm here. You, you guys can't stop me. Like, I am going to make this team. I did not come all the way down here. I am not in this situation to not make this team. So you have to, my thing is you have to block out the, the camera. Like, as hard as it is, like, you cannot read into everything that they tell you. I got to ask the same question, though. What if you didn't make the team? What was the plan B if there was one? Well, I am not good with long-term or short-term goals. <laughs> so there was no plan B. <laughs> there was no plan B. I was. I. I said I am making this team. Like there was. No, there was nothing. I will say this is so funny. For everything that I do, and people are going to think like, "Oh my gosh, she's so weird for this." So don't judge me. But everything I do, I write my signature. I autograph it of what I want to be. So when I was becoming, when I was going to try out, well, when I was competing for Miss North Carolina Outstanding Team, I started writing my signature, Miss North Carolina Outstanding Team 2009, cat. Like I did that over and over and over and over again. So for everything that I have done, I've done that. So for Honeybees, for Miss North Carolina Team USA, and for this, I started writing DCC cat, cat DCC, because it's very simple. But I started doing that over and over again. And I was like, there's nothing, I'm not, there's no, no, there's no, there's no other plan. I'm so it's not almost gonna, like a vision board for you. Like it's, it's that conscious, it's, yeah. like I'm, I've already got it. I've already got it. And I feel like because I didn't have a backup plan and I just knew in my heart, I was like, I'm going to make this team. I know there are obstacles and everything's being thrown my way, but I was like, I am going to make this team. And I just kept telling myself that over and over again. There was no other like, oh, what if, oh no. I mean, yes, doubt comes in your mind, but as soon as that came to mind, I was like, no, I'm making this team. Well, like, literally, literally. I don't know if you've yeah. ever read the book Think and Grow Rich, but there is an old success principle called burn the boats, which means if you were on an island and you wanted to leave, they uh -huh. burned the boats so you couldn't leave. And that's basically what you did. You burned the boats like there was nothing to go to. Oh. You were stuck. Oh, yes, I was stuck. I was stuck. I was stuck there. I said, I am not going home. And the whole point for me leaving was to, to change my situation from Charlotte, right? Like, I loved what I did. I was grinding it out. I was working. But I felt like there was just more I could do. And I was like, I am here in Dallas, and there is more. Like, yes, this more is a little confusing right now because I thought it would be fairy tales and gumdrops and easy living, you know, everything would just come to me and lavish and lush. But nope, not the case at all. But <laughs> it, it, it was just the case of get it done. This is your dream. This is your goal. This is what you're doing, not just for yourself, but for the people behind you. Get it done. Well, so that, yeah. That well, was, let me ask then. So, you know, like when we talk about pageants, we, I always ask girls, like, what do you think Miss USA will be like? What did you think becoming a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader would, oh, I guess, get for you? Oh, my gosh. We talk about this all the time. We think once you make this team, like, yes, you know, the reality show is hard. Like, that's kind of understood. I never watched the show, which was my downfall. Everyone watched the show before you try out because, oh my gosh, you'll learn way more than just going into it blindly. Don't do that. 
Well, when you live um, in your car, it's kind of hard to watch the show. Yeah, it's kind of hard <laughs> to watch the show. If you don't know who you are before you walk into those darn doors, this place will eat you. It will eat you alive and you will lose your identity and you will not know who you are. And I feel like everything that has prompted me from, you know, living with my grandma and her being crazy from 2009 pageants to Teen USA to Honeybees and then coming here, I've kind of grown in my identity and knew myself and Honeybees helped me with my identity a lot. But this has solidified it. Like once I made it through training camp, I was like, yes, I made it. I'm here. I know who I am. Like, thank you, God. Like this is where we are. And I was just so clear on that. And I feel like people who, who don't make it through training camp and they don't make it on the process who are much better dancers than me, I will admit, like they are great. But the one thing that they lack is self-awareness. And because they, they are questioning everything or they, they're, they're unsure of themselves and, you know, we're filming a TV show. So they're going to say things that are like, hmm, what? No, no, I was good on that part. And they make you think like, maybe I wasn't that good. But if you don't get it together real quick and say, nope, I was great at this. I did a darn good job. I know I danced my butt off. I know I pointed my toes well. I know I was flirting with you and flirting with the crowd. If you don't know who you are as a dancer and as a person, oh my gosh, it is, it's going to be hard here. It's going to be hard. So I want you to address a stereotype for me, if you could. Yeah. People in the pageant world, a lot of times, yeah. you know, and, and look, I've dealt with uh, many of you. So I've, you know, I talked to Kaylin Miller Keys and Hannah Brown before they went on Bachelor. And then obviously Hannah went mm-hmm. to Bachelorette. Now we've got Victoria Paul, uh, Alea Benavidez, yep. uh, Kelsey Weir. These are all pageant girls who are participating in reality shows. And of course, there is this mm-hmm. external perception outside of the world of pageants and dance and cheerleading that these girls just want to be on because they want attention. They've got zero goals. They don't know what they do. They think they're just going to meet a celebrity. They're going to marry them and that's going to be life. Talk to me about your thoughts on on why to be on reality shows, why to be on dance uh, teams and and cheerleading teams and what it brings you as a individual. Um, I think just as a whole, being a part of something greater than you is going to greater you. I mean, obviously, right? If you're somebody that's bigger than yourself, then you have an opportunity to become greater than yourself. So I think that's to, to keep it short and simple and, and easy. It's just being on these platforms, whatever they are, as long as you make them what you can. So I could have, my thing was being on this show and being on, you know, being on the TV show. For me, I could have crumbled up and, and, and been sad and just been like, woe is me, someone feel bad for me. But my thing was, I'm not going to let people, I don't want people to feel sorry for myself because that's when I'm not going to, and that's when I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to become better. And I think whatever platform that, that women want to be on from pageants and, and to greater themselves, and whatever their cause is. So some people, you know, do want to grow. If you want to grow your social media platform, awesome. But people want to grow as a person and, and spread their awareness and spread their testimony and spread their purpose because we all have a testimony and we all have a purpose. That's why we compete in pageants, to spread awareness to something. And being on these platforms, it's just a greater way to do it. I feel like people always are just like, oh, you know, like she just wants fame and she just wants blah, blah, blah. But when you see the genuineness on the show and you can, and people, people write me all the time and they're just like, you're just yourself and you, and you just gave it your all. And I think the whole purpose is to spread a mission and to spread a purpose. I mean, coming from pageants, that's what we did. We had a platform, right? And now we're just doing it on a platform that's much bigger than pageants because only a 
certain select amount of people know about pageants. But when you're on a TV show, that can spread to millions of other people to get to know who you are and to get to know your heart. And I feel like that's such a cool thing, right? Because how many people get that opportunity? How many people get the opportunity to say, I've, I know there are 709 people that have been in the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader uniform, and I'm one of those 709 people. And the fact that I can spread awareness of, of just being yourself and, and to, be, to be a light and to show more about who he is and less of who I am, that is okay with me. That's all I'm here to do. Well, let's talk about the process of actually becoming a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader without even being homeless. Let's just okay. talk about the process for everybody. Now, you know, back in the heyday when the CMT show began, I mean, thousands uh-huh. and thousands of girls were, you know, rolling into Dallas to try out for the team. And they would, of course, cut it down to, what is it, 25 um, yeah. What does that process look like today? Uh, I'm sure it still is difficult from a technical standpoint, but what does the actual mm-hmm. atmosphere look like of trying out for the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders? Yes. Yeah, so the whole process of becoming a Dallas Cup, like trying out for the DCC, you have about 400, 500 people auditioning and you walk in. Obviously, it's intimidating. Everyone looks great. They're ready to go. They're polished. And then you see the camera crew walk in and you're like, oh, wow, you know, she, they're videotaping her and not me. And me, I was just like, I did not care. I, I was like, let me just make it through the first round. <laughs> let me find a friend. Because if you got to find a friend, because this process is scary. And going through it, my, my favorite, I'm jumping right now, but my favorite, my favorite verse is two people are better than one. And two people work together, they get more work done. So I found someone and I, ironically, they got cut the first round. <laughs> so you have a freestyle round. Yeah, see you later. So you have a freestyle round, and it's like 400, 500 people. And, um, and some people are just trying out. They're 40, 50 years old, and they're like, this is still my dream. Some people um, have tried out for, you know, four or five years. This is some people's first time, like myself. And you're all kind of scared and nervous. And, of course, having a camera crew around, it's a foreign world. But you have a freestyle round for the first round. And then they make cuts and then they chop it down to like a hundred. I feel like it's a big cut. Like <laughs> they kind of chop it down. You're like, okay, wow. And then you come back the second day and that's when people start to feel a little bit more confident. But me, I'm like still gravitating towards a friend. I'm like, ah, pick you. Let's, let's hang out together. And you learn a eight, eight count dance and they film it. Unluckily for me, they, they mic'd me for learning this dance. It was not, I was blessed enough for them not to, put everything in there because ooh, lordy jesus it was not pretty i was <laughs> the things that were coming out of my mouth while learning this dance was not cute it was for not television. cute at all yeah or for television it was more for like i don't know not not good but you learn an eight eight count dance and you learn it very quickly but then because it's tv you go and learn it again and um, you have way more time to kind of figure out let it process in your brain which is nice so you go through that round and it's, it's super scary. And they cut it down to, I think, 50. And that's day two. And then you come back, I think, two weeks later, two, yeah, two weeks later. And you do that same dance, but it's with vets. So you're like, oh, gosh, like 30 other beautiful women, right? And they already know the dance and they, they've been on the team before, whether it's their first year coming back or their fourth year coming back. And you're there and you do a solo routine for a 90 seconds. Um, and then you go down onto the field and change and we all wear the same color and they group you up to look the same. Ironically, I was grouped up with Rachel Wyatt. Does anyone, does anyone know who Rachel Wyatt is? Beautiful Miss South Carolina. She was first run up for Miss America. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. She, I was grouped up with Rachel Beautiful Wyatt. 
this kind of sweetest girl. And I was like, oh, great. Her legs are for days. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? But she was, she's awesome. And she's like one of my best friends now. We're in Bible study together. It's awesome. But she, I was grouped up with her and she was just like, it's going to be, <laughs> I can't do her voice. She's like, it's going to be okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. It's going to be fun. But she was just like a calming voice and a, and a good sound of reason because you are so nervous because you don't, you have no clue what's going on because they film and then they break and then they film and they break and you're there and you're like, I'm exhausted. And I haven't even done anything. Like I've just been sitting here. So you go through that process and then I think, I think it takes like two hours for them to deliberate. Of course, it was filming a TV show. I mean, they're long days. Prepare for, I mean, 12 hour days. I'm, I'm sure we filmed for 12 hours and oh, at least, uh, at, least. At, at least 12 hours. And then we get called into training camp and training camp. I think they knock it down to 40. So we go from a hundred, no 500 to a hundred to about 80 to 40. And then they cut the team down to 36 is what it's supposed to be. But luckily this year we had 37. So it was a, it was a good year to be on the team. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's uh, quite a process yeah. to do, especially when you're uh, homeless and starving as well. So, I mean, it's cool. It's quite a process. I, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to be here, but you know, I'm like, would you, would you do this again? Would you put yourself through this again, knowing what you know now? And I say, hell yeah. Like, I would do it <laughs> 10 times over again. You, you, you are a risk taker beyond most people's measure. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it again. Let's do it differently. And I feel like as long as they have me back on this team, I'll keep going for as long as I can because nothing is like this experience. Like, I, I can't even tell you. Unless you're here, unless you're here, like I said, only 709 people have worn this uniform. So we know the, the craziness and the delight and the love and the surprise of everything of being on this team is like no other. And the only way to explain it is to be here. <laughs> well, there's such a, I mean, the analogy in this is kind of the whole faith argument of, you know, you got to have faith. You got to jump off the cliff. The Steve Harvey, you know, you got to make yeah. the jump. It's like, cat doesn't yes. just jump. Cat runs and does a swan dive and a two and a half off yes. the cliff, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. Here we go. You just go. Just go. Like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's look before. Like, that's why I need friends. If you don't know, Amanda is my best friend. She is on the team now. She's from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, like very small town, but she's the complete opposite of me. Like someone who is, who doesn't like to, to go out and be social. And she's like, no, let's just sit. Let's just sit here. And she thinks about everything before she does anything. And I need that. I need that pair in my life because I'm like, let's, let's go. Let's just do something. <laughs> and she's like, wait a second. Wait, hold on, kitty cat. Calm it down for 10 seconds. Think about what you're doing because that's not, that's not a good decision. So it's nice. Like you have so many women on this team. Like think about it. There's 36 other people who have different personalities than I do. And it's nice because I can pick and choose and what I, what I like from their personalities and what they do and, and just pick up and just become all around better. It's a good thing. It's a good thing being here. Well, thank you for sharing the entire story. It's certainly stunning in some ways and uh, very educational <laughs> in others, but uh, <laughs> you, know, you never seem to cease to amaze me, Kat. I, I love you. You know what? That's what I try to do. Like life is so boring when it's predictable, right? You got to like just be yourself, be authentically yourself and everything else will work out the way it needs to. 
All right. Well, I'm going to let you be authentically yourself with my rapid fire and get to know you <laughs> 10 questions. Are you ready to do this? Oh, gosh. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Let me get myself together. Okay. I'm nervous. Okay. I'm smiling too hard. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Number okay. one. Are you a morning or night person? Uh, night person. Number two. What is your favorite hobby? Oh, mini getaways. I love to just leave. I don't like staying in one place. I, I couldn't tell. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> what is the one thing that annoys you the most? People sucking their teeth after dinner. I cannot stand when people like, that is my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> sucking your teeth. That's, what, that's the first way I've ever heard it described that way. <laughs> uh, number four. What's the strangest thing that you've ever eaten? Oh, I had to eat octopus because it was a dare, and I was just like, sure, fine. It was fine, but I wasn't, I will never do that again. That's, I'm done with that. <laughs> Number five, what is one of your weird quirks? And I'm sure there's many. Um, I don't have any weird quirks. I am oh, perfect. Come now. <laughs> I, okay, so <laughs> I make my own personal YouTube videos on like Snapchat and stuff and send them to my girlfriend but they're weird they're just like Kat why are you doing this so I'll like if I'm I don't know changing my socks today I'll do a whole YouTube tutorial on how to like put on your socks you know you're made you're, you're literally made for television like we need to find a <laughs> producer to, to just figure out a way to make the Cat Perrier show I have to show you this. Oh, I'm getting way off topic, but I have to show you this video of my cat punching me in the face today. And I made like, I edited it, cropped it, made music to it. Like, it's a really good production. You should post it. I should. Oh, God. I'm in my bonnet, so I don't know. <laughs> Try it on stories, you know. Don't put it on the main feed. There we go. There we go. Uh, number six, describe yourself in three words. A lover of human. That's three Let's words. Let's see. A lover of humans. There we go. That's my son. <laughs> I was going to go on. You know what I mean? I know. I was, I was like, oh, she's going. got three more paragraphs. I better cut it off here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Number seven. If you could trade lives with anybody for a day, who would it be and why? Oh, Issa Rae, because she is an amazing actress, producer, writer, and she's so funny and she has great teeth. That she doesn't suck after she eats? Yeah, exactly. She, and you have to look her up. She's got the biggest teeth in the entire world, and when she smiles, it's amazing. <laughs> Number eight. If you're not already living it, what is your dream job? Oh, I want to be a teacher. I would love to be a teacher. If they paid a million dollars a year, I would totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> but no less than seven, you know, no less than seven figures for yeah. the uh, teaching job. Exactly, exactly. So, so dedicated. If money wasn't an so issue, dedicated. I know. If money wasn't an issue, I'd be a teacher. You're like, I mean, hell, for a million bucks, I'd be a teacher. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Number nine. What is the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning? Oh, scroll on Instagram. I should be reading, but I scroll. Uh, number ten. What is your favorite movie quote? Oh, okay, so just because I just watched it yesterday, it's but I gotta get it, gotta but I gotta get it, gotta but I gotta get it, gotta from <laughs> from what movie? <laughs> oh my gosh, um, just go with it with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. And the little girl. <laughs> oh man, that's a good movie. Well, clearly, Cat Perrier, you're an introvert. You're off the hook. Thanks for answering the ten questions. I am. 
Oh, thank you, thank you. Whew, well, th- hey, this this has been fun, and thanks for uh, thanks for popping the homeless stuff on me in, in the middle of the podcast. I appreciate it. That was yeah, really you, really you're interesting. Welcome. You know, I like to do little zingers just so you're unprepared. You know, and you're like, yeah. oh, you're like anything I can throw <laughs> throw Tim off with, I'm game for it. Exactly. <laughs> I know that you're heading now into your off-season with the, the cheerleaders. Do you work year-round with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders? Do you guys have an off-season? How does it work? Yeah, so luckily we do have an off-season. We start back um, with classes for us three days a week, which is nice because normally we practice five days a week, Monday through Friday, and then have games on Sunday. But we get a little bit of a break and just have three practices a week until May, until audition season comes back up. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate your time today. You know, I love you. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate the laughter. Always nice to to do it with you. I love you. Thanks, Tim. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Kat Perrier for her time. Now, if you want to follow Kat on social media, you can check out her Instagram. It's at Kat Purr. That's K-A-T-P-U-R-R. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. And then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming, it can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait, it's on its way. It will come right on time. Talk to you next week, everybody. Mm-hmm.